How many know Proverbs 16, 18? Anybody know Proverbs 16, 18? Pride goeth before the fall or destruction. I woke up Saturday morning and actually walked two miles, been feeling really good, and know on Monday there's a King's Table golf outing. And I haven't golfed much, and I wanted to make sure that you don't embarrass yourself before the men. So I went to the driving range, and I just started hitting and hitting and hitting, and all of a sudden something hit me right around here. And, the sh- and I mean, I knew to stop right away. Something with the clicker. Is the clicker? Can someone hand me the clicker? <laughs> Let me want to take that step today. So uh, bear with me because I'm back in the timeout chair that we visited about five years ago when I broke my hip. And uh, as long as I'm sitting, I'm still, I'm good. Listen, I just had an awesome time with the kids of this church. I have a new friend. Her name is Ashley. She's a Jets fan. (laughs) I know, poor kid. That's what I wanted to tell her. I tried. Then I asked the kids, how many of you are Yankee fans? Over half of them are Yankee fans. I was just like, and uh, I was playing, actually, I was playing, I sat across from Ashley. We're playing Thumb War, and she taught me a new trick in Thumb War. When you play Thumb War, one, two, three, four, I declare Thumb War, you know, she hides her thumb. I never knew that before. And, what are you doing? She's, I'm hiding it. How do you play that way? You got to dig it out. So as I dig out her thumb, of course, her thumb's on top, and she wins. Kids are just smart. But uh, they are in good hands. Pastor Todd does such a great job with them. And uh, I, there was one, Bella. Bella kept waking up every morning. Is it pastors and pancakes yet? Is it pastors and pancakes yet? She was so excited all week. And uh, uh, they do such an awesome job. A great group of kids over there. I'm really looking forward to the next service to have pancakes with the kids. Um, Over the past few weeks, we've been taking a look at putting on the brakes. And if you haven't been here, let me just, or if you missed some, first was putting on the brakes to clear out the clutter. There's just things in our lives that, you know, we do that we don't really need to be doing that I'm, I'm working on still clearing my schedule. Pause to listen, to be quiet and to learn. And last week we got into <clears throat> putting on the brakes in order to surrender. And in order to surrender, that's as far as we got. We didn't get to the second half, so this is part two of putting on the brakes in order to surrender. In order to surrender, how many know you have to trust? Trust and obey And today's message is all based around trust. If the Lord appeared to you in a dream some night and said these words, I'll give to you whatever you ask. Whatever you want, I will give to you. I was hoping last night the Lord appeared to me in a dream and I know what I was going to ask for, a new back. But what would you ask for if the Lord appeared to you in a dream and said, whatever you want, I will give to you? Do you know such an event like that took place? 
In 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord appeared to Solomon. And you know what Solomon asked for? Solomon said, because I'm like a kid and I've been given this responsibility of leading your people, your chosen people, I ask that you would give me wisdom. Wisdom to discern right and wrong. Wisdom to lead your people. As a result of that request, the Bible says that there was not a man who was greater in wisdom than Solomon. Solomon wrote over 3,000 psalms, 1,005 songs. Men from all nations would come to hear him lecture on plant life, animals, fish, reptiles, birds. He was a man of wisdom. And because of that, because of his request, is probably why we have the book of Proverbs. Can you stand for the reading of God's word? Proverbs, if you're able. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And you know what? Can we just read it together? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You may be seated. This passage is among the most quoted, the most referred to. When you don't understand or you're confused about the events that are taking place in your life. When there's events that are taking place in your life and you just don't understand. You know, people will say, well, trust in the Lord. Are you confused or maybe unknown about what's taking place right now in your life? Are you uncertain about your future? Does worry keep occupying more space in your heart and in your mind? And is it robbing you of sleep and peace about what your future holds? I think most of you know me by what I'm a very practical individual. And can I give you some practical advice about the future? If you're concerned, worried, about what your future holds. Here's the best practical advice I can give you that I repeat to myself over and over and over all the time. God is already in my tomorrow. God is already in my tomorrow because he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God knows our tomorrow before our tomorrow even happens. God is already in all your tomorrows. He knows what's going to take place. He has a plan, and he always seeks our best. So I don't have to worry about tomorrow because God is already there. As I look at this verse... There's three things that I pulled out of it that I want to use as an as a outline 
Number one, we are to trust God. He just asks us to trust Him. Secondly, He asks us to recognize His sovereignty. And I'll get into that for in a minute, sovereignty. And third, He asks us to acknowledge His leadership. So let's dissect this together and take a look at trust in Him. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? What does that word in the Hebrew mean to trust? The word in the Hebrew trust means to lean all your weight on. That's what the word means, to lean all your weight on. You have so much confidence that if you lean all your weight on, it's not going to fall. Or to put all your weight on, to place all your weight on. Uh, what's the saying? You go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce. He gives you a prescription you can't read. You give it to a pharmacist whom you don't know, and they give you pills you know nothing about. Do you know how many times we just trust and not even know? Hey, I bet there was not a single one who came in here this morning, and before you sat down, you checked the chair you were going to sit in. Did anybody check the chair you were going to sit in before you sat down this morning? No, you just had trust and confidence that as you place all your weight in that chair, it's going to hold you up. And after you've been coming week after week, and we all are creatures of habit, we always sit in that same chair, and because that same chair keeps holding us up, we know that chair, and we therefore trust that chair. Part of trusting is knowing that we're going to get to in a minute. Peter says it this way. Cast all your cares upon, every once in a while I just need to walk. Cast all your cares upon me. Why? Because I care for you. Cast all your anxieties, all your worries upon me because I care for you. Many years ago I, I remember dissecting this verse and I found an interesting word study. That word cast is found in Luke's gospel in, in Luke chapter 19, I believe it's verse 35. Remember when the disciples brought the donkey to Jesus? Remember what they did? They took their cloaks and they threw it. They cast. They threw their cloaks on the donkey. Jesus sat upon it and rode into Jerusalem. What does that say? All your worries. All your fears. All your troubles. What are we to do? We're to cast. We're to throw them and let Jesus ride off with them. Trust in the Lord. Now, how are we to trust? With all your heart. When this phrase is used, with all your heart, it means that there's no room for anyone or anything else. When you trust with all your heart, there's no room for anyone or anything else. Remember this scripture verse? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It doesn't leave room for anything or anyone else. Who's number one in our life? The Lord Jesus Christ. And there can only be one Number one, what was the joke I read today to the kids? 
Why was six afraid of seven? Anybody know? Because of seven, eight, nine. Because seven, eight, nine. So therefore, six was afraid of seven. <laughs> Kids laughed. Actually, the one who won the prize for laughing at the most jokes was Dominic. Uh, he, he, was, he was just cracking up. Every joke I told, Dominic was just cracking up. Oh, well, here we go. When the phrase, all your heart, is used, it indicates the control center of your life. What is central to man? It means that you're trusting God from the very depth, from the very inner part. It's just not merely agreeing mentally that the Bible is true and God is good. But it comes from a knowing. When someone says, how do you know God is real? What do you usually say? I just know. Well, how do you know? I know that I know. But how do you know? From, you can't explain it, but from deep down, from in the depths of my heart, I know God is real. One translation says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. And the imagery of trusting God from, with all your heart has, has the imagery of depth. It's not just saying, oh yeah, I agree, but it's trust that comes from knowing. Sort of like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Remember, they would not bow down to the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar made. And even when the order was given that whoever does not fall down and worship this golden image will immediately be thrown into the furnace. Remember how they replied? We don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from our hands, from your hand, O king. But here is faith. Here is trust at the deepest level. But even if he doesn't, we will still trust him and not serve your gods or bow to worship this image of gold you have set. Trust. We believe God will rescue. But even if he doesn't, do you trust him? Trust the Lord from the depths of your heart. Now, recognize his sovereignty. What is sovereignty? Sovereignty is a theological term that describes God's unlimited power. His attributes. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient, as we said already. He's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent. That means God is everywhere at all the time. Now, let me share with you for a moment what this verse is not saying. Okay, pastor, we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart, and we're not to lean on our own understanding. If we're not to lean on our own understanding, then I guess I don't need to get understanding. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not encouraging us to be irrational. Many years ago, when I was at Valley, uh, Valley Chapel, a uh, freshman from college from Syracuse, New York. Uh, he, was, he was in the political science, and uh, he went to college, and 
his, the beginning of his, um, in the beginning of spring, his freshman year, he received Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And all he was taught was, Jesus is coming back. And because Jesus is coming back, you know what he felt? Studies were not that important. And his last semester of his freshman year, he failed. He, he, he didn't even go to classes anymore. Why should I study because Jesus is coming back? So uh, his parents were obviously upset. They, his parents weren't Christians. In fact, I even got a call from his parents. They were, they were just, what are you teaching? And I said, hey, whatever. We have to be responsible individuals. We have to be rational. So he went back his sophomore year, and he failed out, never went to class. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. This verse is not saying we shouldn't gain understanding. What is it really saying? Well, you've you got to take the Bible in the context. In fact, all throughout Proverbs, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Cry aloud for understanding. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. So it's not saying that we shouldn't gain understanding. What it's saying is, Lean not on, it doesn't say lean not on understanding, but lean not on your own understanding. Meaning don't base conclusions simply on your own understanding. Because as I look at my own understanding, it is limited compared to God who is limitless. Abraham was not relying on his own understanding when he and Isaac were walking up to the mountain to offer a sacrifice, was he? Daniel was not leaning on his own understanding when he was being led to a pit of hungry lions. Stephen was not leaning on his own understanding when he was stoned to death for proclaiming Jesus Christ. What I find so intriguing, what I find so interesting in this verse is that it combines heart and mind. Trust in the Lord with all your, and lean not on your own understanding, mind. Listen, when the mind and the heart work together, man, we can accomplish great things for God. Do you know where the problem comes in? Like Paul says, well, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate to do, I do. What I want to do in here, I don't do here. And what I hate to do, I do. And he sees this battle that takes place within humankind. Come on, how many times have you felt impressed to do something from the Lord deep within and your mind is saying, you can't do that. Man, we can get in a heap of trouble. You can talk yourself out of doing something for God. God usually guides from the heart. God usually speaks to the innermost being. Now, we also know that the devil masquerades as an angel of and sometimes he'll place things in our heart that aren't right. That's where our understanding has to battle 
the temptations of the evil one. That's why we need to apply understanding. But it's this. I like this translation. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't try to figure it out on your own. When there's a decision to be made, what is the first thing you do? Do you make a list of pros and cons? And if the pros outweigh the cons, then we should. And if the cons outweigh the pros, then we shouldn't. Is that the first thing you do? That's leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, lean not on your own understanding. Whenever there's a decision to made, where do we go first? We go, you're right, Jeff, you go to your wife. <laughs> and I thought Solomon was wise. <laughs> where do you go? You go to the Lord. And as you pray, and I'll tell you what, there's times when I've gone to the Lord and I've been given the answer, but my own understanding starts to write out the pros and the cons, and there's sometimes the, pro, the cons outweigh the pro, but that doesn't mean if God says do, you don't. You do. Lean not on your own understanding is just another way of saying we're called to live by faith and not by sight. Acknowledge his leadership. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, I was thinking about that this week. How do you acknowledge something? Acknowledge means has the connotation of, of knowing. In order to acknowledge something, you either know the person or, or, or someone did something. I was down at Farmer Brown's, and that's when I just, I mean, I was so mad. I hop in the car, and I know that my wife's birthday on Wednesday, and I know that I'm not going to have any time between now and Wednesday, so with racking my back up, I got to get to, I got to get to the mall to get to don't anybody tell her, the Apple store. Because she wants the wireless earbuds. Now, what am I going to do in the next service? Um, so I'm, I'm going through the mall. You know, I'm getting up. And someone opens the door for me. Someone I didn't even know. And what do you say? You acknowledge them. Why do you acknowledge them? Because they did something. Oh, thank you. Do you know what yesterday was? Come on, it was the Apple 11. Yeah, the, 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 the introduction of Apple 11 phone. And I see that outside the store, they have, yeah. <laughs> so I cut the line. I go, all I want is a pair of wireless earbuds. Go ahead. To acknowledge. Usually you acknowledge because something's been done. Or you acknowledge because you know the person. 
You acknowledge because something was done. You may not even know the person. They opened the door. They let you go in. Thank you. You don't know them, but you thank them because of what they did. But usually you acknowledge because of those you know. Now, this is what else I thought interesting about uh, acknowledge. I could be in this sanctuary, and I could hear that door open and close and know that someone has come in. Have I acknowledged them yet? No. I could, out of the corner of my eye, see that someone came in. Have I acknowledged them yet? When do I acknowledge them? When I say, hey, dude, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, Phil, hey, Dan. That's how you acknowledge. So this is what I was thinking. In all your ways, acknowledge him. How do we acknowledge him every day? Well, you worship and you praise him. Like, like my secretary, Hope. I mean, every other word out of her mouth is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You acknowledge in the everyday common occurrence. You acknowledge his presence that is with you. Thank you, Jesus. And as you acknowledge his presence, you know that he's there. And you know that he's sovereign. And if he's there, he is going to direct your paths. The end result is he'll make... This is an interesting word. He'll direct. That word direct means to make right. To direct in the right way. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will keep you on the right track. Come on, what is our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is to get to the other side, to the promised land. And when you acknowledge him in your everyday life and his leadership and his guidance, he is going to direct your paths to make sure he makes it right and you'll get to the other side. Now let me say this. I know there's some translations say you'll make them straight. That's good because right, straight. There's some translations it says I will make them smooth. I, smooth kind of like gives the connotation that everything's going to be fine and dandy. But if it's not, then it's like, oh no, what have I done wrong? This is what I've learned in life. Some paths will go over mountains. Some paths will go down into valleys. Some paths will follow along raging rivers. Some paths will lead you through quiet streams. Some paths will lead you through arid deserts. Some paths will lead you through lush green pastures. Even straight paths may not lead you to pleasant experiences. Some do, some don't. But isn't that life? And sometimes you may have to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. But what's the promise? Thank you, Jesus. You acknowledge his leadership and his presence. It's sort of like that film, Sunday Night Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, the Lord guided him, but sometimes it wasn't always easy. The straight path. The right path. Sometimes it's not always easy. But it leads us away from sin and destruction and points us to a deeper fellowship with God. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't just merely lean on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. It was kind of funny when I took the swing and heard the pop and then the sharp twinge. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Just acknowledge his presence at all times. Why? Because he even knows our tomorrows. Would you pray with me? Thank you.